Act One of The Boars by Moliere. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boars. Les Fachots. Dramatis Personi. Noyad. Read by Lian Yao. Erast. In Love with Orphis. Read by Thomas Peter. Damis, guardian to Orphis, read by Rob Board. Lysandra, a boar, read by Son of the Exiles. Alcandre, a boar, read by Sandra Schmidt. Al Sheep, a boar, read by Alan Mapstone. Dorant, a boar, read by Nima. Garidides, a boar. Read by Larry Wilson. Orman, a boar. Read by Roger Moline. Philant, a boar. Read by Travis Mader. La Montaigne, servant to Erast. Read by Todd. Lapine, servant to Damis. Read by Chuck Williamson. La Riviere. Read by Joseph Tabler. Orphis in love with Rust, read by T. J. Burns. Orant, a female boar, read by Sonia. Clemen, a female boar, read by Eva Davis. Stage directions, read by April Walters. Introductory notice: Molière dedicated the boars to Louis XIV in the following words: "Sire, I am adding one scene to the comedy." and a man who dedicates a book is a species of bore insupportable enough. Your Majesty is better acquainted with this than any person in the kingdom, and this is not the first time that you have been exposed to the fury of epistles dedicatory. But though I follow the example of others, and put myself in the rank of those I have ridiculed, I dare, however, assure Your Majesty that what I have done in this case is not so much to present you a book as to have the opportunity of returning your thanks for the success of this comedy. I owe, sire, that success which exceeded my expectations not only to the glorious approbation with which your majesty honored this piece at first and which attracted so powerfully that of all the world but also to the idea which you gave to me to add a boar of which yourself had the goodness to give me the idea and which was proved by everyone to be the finest part of the work i must confess sire i never did anything with such ease and readiness as that part where i had your majesty's commands to work the pleasure I had in obeying them was to me more than Apollo and all the muses, and by this I conceive what I should be able to execute in a complete comedy were I inspired by the same commands. Those who are born in an elevated rank may propose to themselves the honor of serving your majesty in great employments, but, for my part, all the glory I can aspire to is to amuse you. The ambition of my wishes is confined to this, and I think that, to contribute anything to the diversion of her king is, in some respects, not to be useless to France. Should I not succeed in this, it shall never be through want of zeal or study, but only through a hapless destiny, which often accompanies the best intentions, and which, to a certainty, would be a most sensible affliction to sire. Your Majesty's most humble, most obedient, and most faithful servant, Molière. Prologue the theatre represents a garden adorned with termini and several fountains, a naiad coming out of the water in a shell. Mortals, 
from grots profound i visit you gallia's great monarch in these scenes to view shall earth's wide circuit or the wider seas produce some novel sight your prince to please speak he or wish to him naught can be hard whom as a living miracle you all regard fertile in miracles his reign demands wonders at universal nature's hands sage young victorious valiant and august mild as severe and powerful as he's just his passions and his foes alike to foil and noblest pleasures join to noblest toil his righteous projects ne'er to misapply hear and see all and act incessantly he who can this can all he needs but dare and heaven in nothing will refuse his prayer let lewis but command these bounds shall move and trees grow vocal as dodona's grove ye nymphs and demigods whose presence fills their sacred trunks come forth so lewis wills to please and be our task i lead the way quit now your ancient forms but for a day with borrowed shape cheat the spectator's eye and to theatric art yourselves apply several dryads accompanied by fawns and satyrs come forth out of the trees and termini hence royal cares hence anxious application his favourite work to bless a happy nation his lofty mind permit him to unbend and to a short diversion condescend the morn shall see him with redoubled force resume the burthen and pursue his course give force to laws his royal bounty share wisely prevent all wishes with his care contending lands to union firm dispose and lose his own to fix the world's repose but now let all conspire to ease the pressure of royalty by elegance of pleasure impertinence avant nor come in sight unless to give him more supreme delight the naiad brings with her for the play one part of the persons she has summoned to appear whilst the rest begin a dance to the sound of hoboy accompanied by violins act one scene one erast la montagne good heavens under what star am i born to be perpetually worried by bores it seems that fate throws them in my way everywhere each day i discover some new specimen but there is nothing to equal my bore of to-day i thought i should never get rid of him a hundred times i cursed the harmless desire which seized me at dinner-time to see the play where thinking to amuse myself i unhappily was sorely punished for my sins i must tell you how it happened for i cannot yet think about it coolly i was on the stage in a mood to listen to the piece which i had heard praised by so many the actors began every one kept silence when with a good deal of noise and in a ridiculous manner a man with large rolls entered abruptly crying out hello there a seat directly and disturbing the audience with his uproar interrupted the play in its finest passage heavens will frenchmen although so often corrected never behave themselves like men of common sense must we in a public theatre 
show ourselves with our worst faults and so confirm by our foolish outbursts what our neighbours everywhere say of us thus i spoke and whilst i was shrugging my shoulders the actors attempted to continue their parts but the man made a fresh disturbance in seating himself and again crossing the stage with long strides although he might have been quite comfortable at the wings he planted his chair full in front and defying the audience by his broad back hid the actors from three-fourths of the pit a murmur arose at which anyone else would have felt ashamed but he firm and resolute took no notice of it and would have remained just as he had placed himself if to my misfortune he had not cast his eyes on me ah marquis he said taking a seat near me how dost thou do let me embrace thee immediately my face was covered with blushes that people should see i was acquainted with such a giddy fellow i was but slightly known to him for all that but so it is with these men who assume an acquaintance on nothing whose embraces we are obliged to endure when we meet them and who are so familiar with us as to thou and thee us he began by asking me a hundred frivolous questions raising his voice higher than the actors everyone was cursing him and in order to check him i said i should like to listen to the play hast thou not seen it marquis oh on my soul i think it very funny and i am no fool in these matters i know the canons of perfection and corneille reads me all that he writes thereupon he gave me a summary of the piece informing me scene after scene of what was about to happen and when we came to any lines which he knew by heart he recited them aloud before the actor could say them it was in vain for me to resist he continued his recitations and towards the end rose a good while before the rest for these fashionable fellows in order to behave gallantly especially avoid listening to the conclusion i thanked heaven and naturally thought that with the comedy my misery was ended but as though this were too good to be expected my gentleman fastened on me again recounted his exploits his uncommon virtues spoke of his horses of his love affairs of his influence at court and heartily offered me his services i politely bowed my thanks all the time devising some way of escape but he seeing me eager to depart said let us leave every one is gone and when we were outside he prevented me going away by saying marquis let us go to the cour to show my carriage it is very well built and more than one duke and peer has ordered a similar one for my coachmaker i thanked him and the better to get off told him that i was about to give a little entertainment ah on my life i shall join it as one of your friends and give the go-by to the marshal to whom i was engaged my banquet i said is too slight for gentlemen of your rank nay he replied i am a man of no ceremony and i go simply to have a chat with thee i vow i am tired of grand entertainments but if you are expected you will give offence if you stay away thou art joking marquis we all know each other i pass my time with you much more pleasantly i was chiding myself sad and perplexed at heart at the unlucky result of my excuse and knew not what to do next to get rid of such a mortal annoyance when a splendidly built coach 
crowded with footmen before and behind, stopped in front of us with a great clatter, from which leaped forth a young man gorgeously dressed, and my boar and he, hastening to embrace each other, surprised the passers-by with their furious encounter. Whilst both were plunged in these fits of civilities, I quietly made my exit without a word, not before I had long groaned under such a martyrdom, cursing this boar whose obstinate persistence kept me from the appointment which had been made with me here. These annoyances are mingled with the pleasures of life. All goes not, sir, exactly as we wish it. Heaven wills that here below every one should meet boars. Without that, men would be too happy. But of all my boars, the greatest is Dami, guardian of her whom I adore, who dashes every hope she raises, and has brought it to pass that she dares not see me in his presence. I fear I have already passed the hour agreed on. It is in this walk that Ophis promised to be. The time of an appointment has generally some latitude, and is not limited to a second. True, but I tremble. My great passion makes out of nothing a crime against her whom I love. If this perfect love, which you manifest so well, makes out of nothing a great crime against her whom you love, the pure flame which her heart feels for you, on the other hand, converts all your crimes into nothing. But, in good earnest, do you believe that I am loved by her? What? Do you still doubt a love that has been tried? Ah, uh, it is with difficulty that a heart that truly loves has complete confidence in such a matter. It fears to flatter itself, and, amidst its various cares, what it most wishes is what it least believes. But let us endeavour to discover the delightful creature. Sir, your necktie is loosened in front. No matter. Let me adjust it, if you please. <coughs> you are choking me, blockhead. Let it be as it is. Let me just comb. Was there ever such stupidity? You have almost taken off my ear with the tooth of the comb. Your rolls. Leave them. You are too particular. They are quite rumpled. I wish them to be so. At least allow me, as a special favor, to brush your hat, which is covered with dust. Brush, then, since it must be so. Will you wear it like that? Good heavens, make haste! It would be a shame. Erast, after waiting. That is enough. Have a little patience. He will be the death of me. Where could you get all this dirt? Do you intend to keep that hat forever? It is finished. Give it me, then. Lamontine, letting the hat fall. Ah! There it is on the ground. <sighs> I am not much the better for all your brushing. Plague take you. Let me give it a couple of rubs to take off. You shall not. The deuce take every servant who dogs your heels, who wearies his master, and does nothing but annoy him by wanting to set himself up as indispensable. Scene 2. Orphes, Alcidor, Erast, Lamontine. Orphes passes at the foot of the stage. Alcidor holds her hand. But do I not see Orphes? Yes, 
it is she who comes whither goeth she so fast and what man is that who holds her hand he bows to her as she passes and she turns her head another way scene three erast la montagne what she sees me here before her and she passes by pretending not to know me what can i think what do you say speak if you will sir i say nothing lest i bore you and so indeed you do if you say nothing to me whilst i suffer such a cruel martyrdom give me some answer i am quite dejected what am i to think say what do you think of it tell me your opinion sir i desire to hold my tongue and not to set up for being indispensable hang the impertinent fellow go and follow them see what becomes of them and do not quit them la montagne returning shall i follow at a distance yes la montagne returning without their seeing me or letting it appear that i was sent after them no you will do much better to let them know that you follow them by my express orders la montagne returning shall i find you here plague take you i declare you are the biggest bore in the world scene four erast alone ah how anxious i feel how i wish i had missed this fatal appointment i thought i should find everything favourable and instead of that my heart is tortured scene five lisandra erast i recognize you from under these trees from a distance dear marquis and i came to you at once as one of my friends i must sing you a certain air which i have made for a little curanto which pleases all the connoisseurs that court and to which more than a score have already written words i have wealth birth a tolerable employment and am of some consequence in france but i would not have failed for all i am worth to compose this air which i am going to let you hear listen attentively i beg he sings an air of a coranto oh is it not fine ah this clothes is pretty he sings the clothes over again four or five times successively how do you like it very fine indeed oh the steps which i have arranged are no less pleasing and the figure in particular is wonderfully graceful he sings the words talks and dances at the same time and makes arast perform the lady's steps stay the gentleman crosses thus then the lady crosses again together then they separate and the lady comes there do you observe the little touch of a faint this fleuret these coupes running after the fair one back to back face to face pressing up close to her after finishing what do you think of it marquis all those steps are fine 
for my part i would not give a fig for your ballet masters evidently and the steps then are wonderful in every particular shall i teach you them for friendship's sake to tell the truth just now i am somewhat disturbed well then it shall be when you please if i had these new words about me we would read them together and see which were the prettiest another time farewell my dearest baptiste has not seen my curante i am going to look for him we always agree about the tunes i shall ask him to score it exit still singing scene six erast alone heavens must we be compelled daily to endure a hundred fools because they are men of rank and must we in our politeness demean ourselves so often to applaud when they annoy us scene seven erast lamontine sir orifice is alone and is coming this way ah i feel myself greatly disturbed i still love the cruel fair one my reason bids me hate her sir your reason knows not what it would be at nor yet what power a mistress has over a man's heart whatever just cause we may have to be angry with a fair lady she can set many things to right by a single word alas i must confess it the sight of her inspires me with respect instead of with anger scene eight orphise arast lamontine your countenance seems to me anything but cheerful can it be my presence arast which annoys you what is the matter what is amiss what makes you heave those sighs at my appearance alas can you ask me cruel one what makes me so sad and what will kill me is it not malicious to feign ignorance of what you have done to me the gentleman whose conversation made you pass me just now <laughs> does that disturb you do cruel one and you insult my misfortune certainly it ill becomes you to jeer at my grief and by outraging my feelings ungrateful woman to take advantage of my weakness for you i really must laugh and declare that you are very silly to trouble yourself thus the man of whom you speak far from being able to please me is a bore of whom i have succeeded in ridding myself one of those troublesome and officious fools who will not suffer a lady to be anywhere alone but come up at once with soft speech offering you a hand against which one rebels i pretended to be going away in order to hide my intention and he gave me his hand as far as my coach i soon got rid of him in that way and returned by another gate to come to you orphise can i believe what you say and is your heart really true to me you are most kind to speak thus when i justify myself against your frivolous complaints i am still wonderfully simple and my foolish kindness ah too severe beauty do not be angry being under your sway i will implicitly believe whatever you are kind enough to tell me 
deceive your hapless lover if you will i shall respect you to the last gasp abuse my love refute me yours show me another lover triumphant yes i will endure everything for your divine charms i shall die but even then i will not complain as such sentiments rule your heart i shall know on my side scene nine alcandre orphes erast la montagne alcandre to orphes marquis one word madame i pray you to pardon me if i am indiscreet in venturing before you to speak with him privately exit orphes scene ten alcandre erast la montagne i have a difficulty marquis in making my request but a fellow has just insulted me and i earnestly wish not to be behindhand with him that you would at once go and carry him a challenge from me you know that in a like case i would joyfully repay you in the same coin erast after a brief silence i have no desire to boast but i was a soldier before i was a courtier i served fourteen years and i think i may fairly refrain from such a step with propriety not fearing that the refusal of my sword can be imputed to cowardice a duel puts one in awkward light and our king is not the mere shadow of a monarch he knows how to make the highest in the state obey him and i think that he acts like a wise prince when he needs my service i have courage enough to perform it but i have none to displease him his commands are a supreme law to me seek someone else to disobey him i speak to you viscount with entire frankness in every other matter i am at your service farewell scene eleven erast la montagne to the deuce with these boars fifty times over where now has my beloved gone to i know not go and search everywhere till you find her i shall await you in this walk ballet to act one first entry players at mall crying out where compel eras to draw back after the players at mall have finished eras returns to wait for fees second entry inquisitive folk advance turning round him to see who he is and cause him again to retire for a little while end of act one <laughs>